Welcome to mini episode 91 of Real Life Ghost Stories. To kick things off this week, I need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Lauren Walter, Alison Leach, X-Rated X-Ray, Sydney, Kristen Hylton, Alyssa, Nina, Jen, Nancy Williams, Gabriella Houtman, Sally Dawkins, Lisa Carr, Courtney Collins, Gemma Ritchie, Elizabeth M, Leah, Finn High, Cat Ten, Donna Frostick, and Shannon. Thank you so much for supporting on Patreon. It means the absolute world to me. And I have five listener stories for you today. And the last story comes from August the 20th, 2020. And the first story comes from David. It began roughly 10 years ago. I was living at home to save money while I went to college and worked as a cashier at a big box store. But one night I was scheduled to leave work at 10 p.m., I got in my car at 10.04 and received a very angry phone call from my dad asking me where I was. I said I was just about to leave work, why are you yelling? I could hear a bit of doubt in his voice when he said, You're not here. You're not messing with us. I said no and I asked him what was going on. I had a habit when I got home to knock on their bedroom door and tell them that I was in for the night. And here's when it gets spooky. My dad, my stepmom and two miniature schnauzers heard me knock on the door and say, I'm home. Meanwhile, I was 10 miles away and nobody else was in the house with them. I still get chills when I think about that. The first time I ever saw anything clearly, and by that I mean not just shadows flitting by the doorframe, was about five years after the first incident when my voice was thrown around. I always left for my shift at the hospital at 6am so I could get there and clock in by 7. On this particular morning, it was 6.02 as I got to the top of the stairs. I glanced down and saw who I assumed was my stepmom at the bottom of the stairs, seemingly about to see why I was late. I told the figure I was coming there was no need to call for me. I saw it turn and head back to the kitchen on my right. As I entered through the archway... I was quite shocked to see Karen on the left sitting in the recliner playing on her iPad. I asked her if she was just at the bottom of the stairs and she said she hadn't moved in at least 30 minutes. I went white as a sheet. To this day I can't explain what I saw. My final unexplainable encounter with whatever was in that bloody house happened when Karen's friend from Minnesota came to visit. I had stayed at home while Karen, her friend and my dad did a hearse tour of Nashville. I needed to be up early the next morning so I went to bed around 10pm. I was sleeping in the guest bedroom at the top of the stairs that was adjacent to my normal larger bedroom that had its own bath. Anyway, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning to someone making a hell of a racket stumbling up the stairs bumping into a desk chair and finally opening and closing, loudly, the door to the room our guest was staying in. I thought to myself... Wow, it's late for them to be returning. Not thinking much of it, I went back to sleep. That afternoon, I made a comment about it, saying what time did they get in last night. They had all been home and in bed before midnight and were not awake at 3am. Thankfully, we moved out of that house relatively soon after that and we have not had an experience like that since. And 
And story number two comes from Annabelle. First of all, I need to give a trigger warning as I do talk about suicide and losing someone in a horrific accident. When I was in year nine, about 14 or 15, I'm 24 now, I lost my dad to suicide. There were no signs that he was struggling. We were just an average family and this tore my world apart. My dad and I had the best relationship and losing him, especially at such a young age, was the worst thing I could imagine. I became an angry person, taking it out on my mum and just not being very nice to be around. One night after a particularly hostile argument with my mum about having a friend stay over, I felt the overwhelming urge to go and see if my mum was okay. I walked into her bedroom and she was stood crying at her bedroom window. I stood at the door for a minute or two and apologised for what I had said in the argument earlier when she asked me to go and look out the window with her. My mum's bedroom looks out into our back garden and as I got to the window I saw one of our garden lights on. Just the one. This may not seem like anything but these lights hadn't been turned on in months and they actually didn't even work anymore. But there it was. One single light lit up against the darkness of the night. What made this even more special was that my dad was an electrician and he had fitted these lights years ago. We both just stood in the window crying and holding each other and we realised my dad was trying to get us to stop arguing so much. All the drama from earlier in the day just seemed to melt away in that one moment and since then I've made more of an effort to be kind to my mum who raised me and my sister for 10 years on her own. Since then, I've had a few more signs from lost loved ones. Around a year later, I lost a boyfriend to a fatal car accident. I was working the morning after it happened and I woke up with such a weird feeling in my gut. I knew something was wrong. I went to work where I found out. We had worked together, but no one knew we were an item as it was still early days. I cried all day and when I went to bed that night he came to me in a dream. He told me everything would be okay and just held me until I woke up. A few years ago, maybe 2017, I started using an app that records me when I'm sleeping and myself and my current boyfriend talk about some crazy shit when we sleep. One night I turned it on when I was sleeping alone. There were no men in the house, no TV on and my windows were shut. In the morning, I listened back to our recordings from the night. I heard a soft male voice speaking. He whispered, good night, followed by the sounds of someone standing up off my bed. A few weeks later, I saw a psychic. I know a lot of people are skeptical of people who claim they can talk to our lost loved ones. However, he told me this was my dad who visited me that night. This psychic also told me that my guardian angel was my grandma, who he lost on the 23rd of December 2015. I had always had suspicions that she was looking over me, as she had a very distinct smell. She was a heavy smoker and always wore the same perfume. I would smell her everywhere, while I was driving, while I was in bed, and sometimes while I was just going about my day-to-day life. He also told me that she kept saying, go back to uni. I never went to uni. I failed miserably in college and then went straight into full-time work, so obviously I ignored this. When she died, I was given her old car, and I took a chair and some curtains from her bedroom as they matched the colours in my bedroom. It's been nearly five years since she died, 
I've had three new cars since then and the curtains have been hung up for most of the time and were washed so many times before they went up and I still smell her every so often so I know she's still close. And when I recently joined the police and I'm completing my university degree at the same time. So I guess I listened after all. And story number three comes from Kelly. I've always been interested in the paranormal. However, I never experienced anything myself until a week after my granddad had died. My granddad passed away back in 2009 after a long battle with cancer. He passed away in the dining room of my nan's house as this was converted into his bedroom for the last few weeks of his life. A week after he died, my dad, mum, brother, a family friend and I went around to my nan and late granddad's house for Sunday lunch as we usually did. My nan was serving up roast dinner and I was looking down at my nan's dog facing towards the front door when something caught my eye. I saw a jet black shadow figure drift slowly out of the lounge past the front door blocking out the sunlight through the window for a second or two and then it walked through the wall into the dining room. I was not scared and I thought it may have just been my imagination but it couldn't have been. The figure blocked out the sunlight coming through the glass in the front door. I didn't tell anyone about what I had just seen as I didn't want to upset my nan. We finally sat down to a lovely lunch in the same room that my granddad had passed away in as it had been turned back into the dining room. To me it felt peaceful in the room and I wasn't on edge like I thought I would have been. My mum sat in granddad's seat as the family friend took my mum's usual seat at the table. In the car on the way home, my mum said she felt very uncomfortable sitting in my granddad's seat, feeling cold and uneasy, as if someone was watching or feeling annoyed at her. I told her about seeing the figure go through the wall into the dining room, and we concluded that granddad was joining us for lunch, as he would every Sunday. Six months later, my other granddad died. This was around Christmas time. We had put up our Christmas tree and decorated the tree with new lights. There wasn't a flash setting on these particular lights, but the lights would flash all the time, and when we would walk up to the tree, the flashing stopped. We also have two mounted wall lights in the lounge, where the bulbs would blow and my dad would have to change them and they would blow again. This happened many times during the Christmas period, and after my granddad's funeral, this completely stopped. My dad still puts it down to faulty light bulbs, but nothing like this has ever happened before or after living in this house. We've lived in this house around 20 years, so I'd like to think it was our granddad visiting us to say Merry Christmas. And story number four comes from Kate. When I was about four, my nan took me to see my granddad at his allotment down the road to tell him that lunch was ready. When we got there, I skipped off to look at all the vegetables and after a few minutes my nan noticed I was waving towards the tree line on the other side of the garden, but she could see no one. She and my granddad came over baffled and asked who or what I was waving at. Cousin Andrew, I said. He wants to play. What? You can see Andrew over there, my nan asked. Yes, he stood there waving. My nan took my hand, said we would go and plate up lunch and granddad would follow in a minute. Andrew was indeed my cousin. He had died very young before I was born so I had never met him. The strange but perhaps lovely thing 
is that I saw him stood up, a normal-looking boy waving at me. But he never stood up in his whole short life. He was starved of oxygen at birth and never walked or talked and was fed through a tube. I also, at that age, was not even really aware of him or what had happened, which is what really spooked my nan. My mum has been ill pretty much since I was born. She lost a lot of blood during my birth and doctors couldn't get it to stop. They told my dad if it didn't stop within the next hour she probably wouldn't make it and it might be an idea to have my older brothers come to the hospital to say goodbye. My mum told me quite a few years ago that while she was dipping in and out of consciousness a black figure came into the room and stood beside her. She said you could not distinguish any features, just that it was a tall mass of black smoke shaped roughly like a human. It told her that she had to go with it as it was her time, and she refused and told it to go away as she wasn't ready yet. She said it seemed like the figure bowed its head and then just disappeared, and the bleeding stopped after that. We used to live in a house that was built on an old farmyard. When I was little I had an imaginary friend that used to creep my mum out. Her name was Sandra. I used to insist that she told me it had to be pronounced in a certain way or she would be upset. I would sit and play with her in the garden and she'd come with me into the house for dinner. But mainly I only ever interacted with her outside. My parents had an extension built over the garage that became their bedroom. My mum used to claim that she would see figures in this room regularly. As I said before, she was ill quite a lot, and one of the times she was bedridden, she woke up to someone calling for Anna. When she rolled over and looked to see what was going on, she said the room had suddenly become what looked like a hayloft all around her. The head and shoulders of a man appeared through a loft hatch in the floor calling for Anna. She closed her eyes, opened them again, and the room was back to normal. She told my dad, and although creeped out, they put it down to the medication she was on. A few months later, my parents woke to their bed being shoved across the room with quite a force. It took me quite a few years to get him to talk about it, but my dad eventually told me that he looked up to see a man dressed in a white shirt and overalls, stood over the bed with his hands on his hips. He then started calling for Anna. It was the same man my mum saw come through the floor. When my brother moved out into his own place, my parents quickly moved into his room. A few years later, during our village open gardens one weekend, we went to the church as they had an exhibition on with lots of photos of the village throughout history. I saw my mum and dad go as white as a sheet when they looked at one particular photo. There was a black and white image of a family standing outside their farmhouse, which was where our house was now built. It was titled, The Moore Family. Anna can be seen peeking out from the hayloft. The image showed the man they had both seen in their room calling for his daughter Anna. And story number five comes from Sarah. I've been deliberating about sending over my stories to you because first of all, I don't think they're linked to each other in any way. Just a few odd things that have happened to me over the years. And also, they just might not be that interesting. I think it's important to know that strictly speaking, I don't believe in ghosts but I don't disbelieve either. My instant reaction when strange things happen is to just find an explanation, which I usually do. But these stories are the ones that I just could not explain away. When I was about 18, 
about 18 years ago. My boyfriend at the time lived in a house share with a couple of lads he worked with. It was a small house and they would often sit together in the living room to watch TV or whatever they did in the evenings. I stayed over quite a lot and on this particular evening I believe there was football on so they were all sat in the living room watching and I was just clearing up the kitchen and pottering about. I decided to hang some washing up that had been left in the washing machine. The clothes error was always put at the foot of the stairs as it was the most convenient place. As I began to hang the washing up, I was in a world of my own and focusing on what I was doing. At one point, one of the lads got up to go upstairs. They were in my peripheral vision, so without looking at them, I stepped out of the way to let them go past me up the stairs, although I didn't see them. But I definitely felt someone walk past me. I know I did, because the space was only big enough for one person to get past. My assumption was that whoever had gone upstairs had gone to the toilet, and this may have been just because this is the most likely reason why they would be going upstairs. I don't remember any specific noises from the bathroom like the door closing or the chain flushing, but at the time, I was certain they had gone up to the toilet. As I put the last item of clothing on the airer, approximately a minute or so later, I looked up to see that all three of the lads were sat in the living room still, completely focused on the TV. Completely confused and thinking that whoever had gone to the toilet must have snuck past me to come back down, I asked if any of them had gone upstairs. They said no, and that they had all been there the whole time. I asked if they were sure because I was 100% sure someone had gone past me, and they all said no. But one of the lads, who although he had his back to me, could see in his peripheral vision, said that he had seen me move out of the way as if to let someone pass but hadn't thought anything of it. That was going to be the end of my story, but as I was typing this out to you, another memory from that house has popped into my head. One I had completely forgotten about until this very moment, and it has given me goosebumps all over. I do not recall whether this was before or after the washing incident, but they were only living together in that house for around six months, so it was during that period. As I said earlier, I often stayed in the house. The lads all worked together, but did quite different shifts. It wasn't uncommon for me to stay over and my boyfriend to head out to work early in the morning, leaving me in the house with the other lads or sometimes on my own. On this particular Saturday morning, I was feeling a little worse for wear as we had all been drinking the night before. I woke up and needed to use the bathroom. As it was a small house, I could usually tell pretty easily if there was someone else in the house with me. I thought I was on my own that day and was about to get up and get ready to go home but then I heard the bathroom door close and the extractor fan go on, which has to be done manually. I dozed back off to sleep for about an hour and when I woke up, I got up to use the bathroom, assuming it would now be empty. But when I got up, the door was still closed and the extractor fan was still on. I listened at the door, as there was no lock, so that was the way you could usually double check, as weird as that is, and could hear noises as if someone was in the bath, gentle splashing and movements. It was a bit of a joke in the house that one of the lads, Chris, would take long baths, which would annoy the rest of the household, as there was only one bathroom. As it wasn't my house, I didn't feel right about knocking and asking how long he would be, so I left it, but I was desperate for the toilet. Eventually, I'm not sure how much time passed, but I needed to use the toilet so badly I decided to knock, and there was no response. Thinking he was not answering because he knew he was taking a long time, I got on well with Chris so I made a joke about him taking ages and still no response. 
I began to worry as I couldn't hear the splashing noises anymore like I had earlier. And knowing we had all been out the night before, I worried that he may have fallen asleep in the bath or something. So I knocked again and decided to open the door crack to check. When I opened the door, the bathroom was completely empty. The extractor fan was on, but there was no evidence anyone had been in the bath. There was no window in the bathroom, so even though there was an extractor, usually the bathroom would feel damp and warm. But it was as if no one had been in there. My assumption at this time was when I had dozed off, Chris must have closed the door and forgotten to turn the fan off and then gone out. When my boyfriend called me on his break, I was already back at home. I told him to tell Chris off about his long baths and he was confused by this comment and told me that all three of the lads were doing the same shift together and I'd left the house at the same time that morning. Meaning my instincts were right, initially, and I'd been home on my own all along. Like I said, because I'm not a huge believer in ghosts, I just really enjoy the stories, I put both of these to the back of my mind. But now that I think about it, the fact both stories were related to the bathroom just seems really creepy. There is probably an explanation for both stories, although I'm not really sure what. My next story is the one that gives me the chills, and I can still remember it like it was yesterday. Back in 2016, I was on holiday with my boyfriend at the time, at a beautiful resort in Lanzarote. The hotel had upgraded us to one of the best suites in the place, and it was huge, with a beautiful balcony with a hot tub that had a gorgeous sea view and was directly above the beach. We'd had a really lovely day, lots of cocktails, followed by a romantic meal and a couple more drinks and then bed. We'd been drinking, but most certainly were not drunk at all. We both fell asleep relatively early, but I woke up about 2am with a fright. I woke up bolt upright, gasping for air and finding it hard to breathe. I was sweating lots, which is very unlike me, but was cold and shaking and had this overwhelming feeling. I've never felt anything like it. The feeling that we needed to get out of the room now. I couldn't have been awake for more than a few seconds when my boyfriend, who it turns out had woken up just a moment before me in the same way, said to me, we need to get out of this room now. I turned to look at him and he was completely pale and shaking uncontrollably. As we both began to get dressed to leave the room, I was trying to be logical and asked him where we should go and what should we do. We can't just run down to reception and say we both have a feeling we need to get out of the room, can we? He agreed with me. We both agreed to give ourselves a few minutes to think things through. He decided to step out onto the balcony to have a cigarette to calm down. When he opened the door to the balcony, which as I said was directly above the beach and very secluded, I went cold all over again. I remembered what had made me wake up with a fright. I'd been having a really vivid dream that our room was broken into via the balcony. I got up to tell him to come back in, but he at the same time came in, closed the door quickly, locking it, and told me, before I had told him, that he just remembered he woke up because he had been having a dream that the room was being broken into via the balcony. As you can imagine, I felt absolutely terrified that we'd had the same dream. Completely unsure of what to do, we just sat there, put the TV on and waited for the sun to come up. We both eventually nodded off and woke up a few hours later feeling absolutely fine, almost like it hadn't happened. We didn't even really mention it until later in the day when we went back up to our room. What I didn't mention earlier in this story is that the day before we had woken up with a fright, we had had an issue with the safe in our room. Even though I was putting in the correct code, it wouldn't open and the system that the hotel has that can usually override it did not work. 
which we learnt was unheard of. Eventually they managed to get the safe open by a couple of the handymen who physically bashed it as hard as they could as it seemed to be the locking mechanism had ceased. This meant we were unable to use the safe for the rest of the trip and all of the valuables, passports, laptop, iPad, cash, cards, etc. were completely unsecure in our room. Because the safe debacle had had a lot of staff assistance, there were a lot of people who would have been aware our room had valuables that weren't secure. While I find it unlikely that someone would break into a room of a hotel to get a couple of passports and a bit of cash, I cannot shake the feeling that somehow we were being warned and maybe, just maybe, we woke up in time and with him stepping on the balcony it prevented us from being broken into. Who knows? It could all just be coincidence and unrelated. All I do know though is that the overwhelming feeling I had to get out of the room was something I have never experienced before and never want to again. About five or six years ago I went through a particularly hard time and moved back home with my parents for a few months. I've always had relatively vivid dreams and as a child I often suffered with bad nightmares but during this period of living with my parents I began to suffer with sleep paralysis. It was affecting my sleep so much that I went to see my doctor who was really helpful and reassuring as I was going through such a tough time. He explained that it's quite common when life is turbulent to suffer with this. Over time it got a lot better and by the time I had moved out from my parents a couple of months later, it had completely stopped happening. Fast forward to 2018. I had just gone through a messy breakup with my boyfriend from the previous story, and I had moved into my own place. Living on my own for the first time ever like a proper grown-up. And although I was loving the space and the freedom, emotionally I was constantly drained and exhausted. The sleep paralysis started again, but this time it was a lot worse. Instead of just waking up knowing I was awake and couldn't move, it went on to me feeling completely suffocated, like I couldn't breathe at all. And when I eventually did wake up, my body would ache as if I had cramp all night, and I would feel shaken and traumatised the next day, to the point I was finding it hard to focus at work because I was sleeping so badly. I never felt scared going to sleep though. As I've said a few times now, I don't scare easily, And having had this before and reassurance from the doctor, I didn't really think much of it. At this time, I was spending a lot of time with one of my friends who was also newly single. I would often stay over at her place and vice versa. One evening, when we were going to bed at her place, I told her about the sleep paralysis and she got really freaked out. It turns out her understanding of sleep paralysis was the supernatural kind. You know, about demons sitting on your chest at night, that kind of thing. I honestly hadn't heard of this theory because I didn't really talk about it much. I was quite dismissive of her theory and basically laughed it off. A couple of nights later I was on my own in my flat and went to bed as usual and the sleep paralysis kicked in. The worst I've ever had. I was panicking and trying to move in the bed but couldn't. But my eyes did open. I know they did. I know sometimes you think they do when you have sleep paralysis but they did open because it was so different to normal. As my eyes were adjusting to the small amount of light in the room, I saw a dark shadow pass across the wall opposite and stop up in the corner above my TV. It's hard to explain. It wasn't a human form or anything, it was just a mass of dark which seemed to glide up from the wall. I couldn't close my eyes or take them off the shadow, but it seemed to disappear in front of my eyes, and the next thing I knew I felt a heavy weight on my chest and couldn't breathe. I began to come around and all I could manage to shout was no. 
I felt like I shouted, but who knows if any noise came out. All I then remember is waking up the next day and feeling like I hadn't slept a wink. I got up and showered and when I checked my phone I had several missed calls from my friend. I called her back to check if she was okay as it was pretty early still and she just said she had the urge to call me and check if I was okay. I explained to her what had happened and that I was exhausted and she insisted that I go to the doctor again as it had been bothering her that she knew I wasn't sleeping properly and he ended up putting me on some medication to help me sleep better. Since then I've only had a couple of episodes and it's never been that severe. Maybe my friend telling me about the demons went into my subconscious, or maybe it was something else. Either way, I hope it never happens again. Thank you so much to David, Annabelle, Kelly, Kate and Sarah for sending in your stories and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you would like to send in your story you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com You can also check out our website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com and on that note we shall see you next time. <laughs>